chocolate. 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 Hey, chocolate lovers. I'm feeling a bit under the weather this week, so I'm going to keep this intro short. Today's bonus episode is a clip from my interview with Yoon Kim of Smooth Chocolator, based in Geelong, Australia. Yoon talks a bit about her introduction to chocolate in her home country of South Korea, as well as her realization of bean-to-bar chocolate, and then a bit more about sourcing machinery as a small-batch chocolate maker who's still very far from being a full-time chocolate maker. What do you remember about your relationship with chocolate before you became a chocolate maker? Uh, well, in my childhood, chocolate is always something that's sweet and milky. And that's, that's like, it's, it's always had to be sweet. So I was just growing up with the milk chocolate. I was growing up with chocolate with very little cacao. And it's all milk and sugar, so it's very addictive. So that was chocolate for me. Um, and once I introduced to dark chocolate, which was cabbage at first, um, it was it was still like very palatable. And then chocolate for me, just the chocolate taste. I didn't expect to taste anything other than chocolate until I met Pintuba, came across Pintuba chocolate, where I realized chocolate can taste so much more than just one flavor, and there's so much you can explore yeah. and create, which is great thing about being a chocolate maker. Beyond just like one note, yeah. Right. So, when when you were just a consumer of chocolate, what was the premium chocolate brand for you? If you wanted to get fancy chocolate, what did you go for? Um, lint. <laughs> when I was younger, um, anything from Belgium was regarded as fine chocolate. Um, then I was introduced to Verona by my pastry chef friend. It was a long time ago, and when I tasted, wow, this is amazing! Like this is best thing in the world, and I still love Verona chocolate. Um, and yeah, anything that's smooth, anything that's um, sweet, anything that's um, just like chocolatey, cacao like like a cocoa flavor, yeah. it was what I regarded as a fine chocolate. Yeah. And where do you grow up? Um, I was growing up in South Korea, Daegu, which is southern part of Korea. And where do you live now? Uh, I live in Geelong, not Geelong. <laughs> uh, it's a it's a suburb of uh, Victoria, and it's close to Melbourne. It's about fifty kilometers drive from Melbourne. In um, Australia. Yeah. Is there a difference between like when you were younger in Korea versus when you were when you moved to Australia? Did you have the same idea of uh, which brands and which origins of where the chocolate is made are like fancy or premium chocolates? Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I wasn't a like pastry chef or I had no knowledge about chocolate. So yeah, when I moved to Australia, it was pretty much the same. Anything made in Belgium was regarded as premium chocolate. Um, and if you go to supermarket, there's, um, there's a majority of the chocolates in Australia is made by Cadbury. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, Hershey's, I think, American. Cadbury is more like English, Australian thing. Um, and there's a large, a large quantity of um, sugar and milk in it. And it's very palatable. Like, it's easy to eat. And that was like a good chocolate. 
And if you want to spend a little bit more, you go to Lint. <laughs> uh, if you want to spend a little bit more, you go to the department store and look for something made in Belgium in a like pretty box. So like anything made in Belgium was like fair game. Yeah, like, <laughs> oh yeah, I'll go for that. That'll be good. I'll give it to someone who is special. Was there any specific moment when you decided to become a chocolate maker? Um, yeah, um, it was when I took Bintuba class at Saver School in Melbourne, which is Pastry and Chocolate School. Um, I, I was, the, before that, all I was tasting was covered to chocolate and I really didn't have a palate. Like when I tasting chocolate, I was just basically eating it, chewing it, as you eat like biscuits or something. Um, and when I tasted a craft chocolate from Bintuba class, I was just blown away by the flavors that I didn't expect to taste it from chocolate. And when I tasted it, oh wow, this is something different. This is something that I never knew that it could exist in chocolate and I have to try it with myself. In my case, we built our own winnower and our um, we lose a lot of husks. There's a losses. It's like something like 35% to 40% sometimes. <laughs> and I think we need to improve on that. But <laughs> because it's small scale and I'd rather save my time and just winnowing fast with the less husk than trying to go through several winnowing to get the best result out of it. Um, and yeah, this, uh, it's just, uh, I think it's not just about craft chocolate business in general. There's a lot of hidden costs that you didn't think of, such as registration. Uh, when you sell products in FDA, you need to register FDA. Uh, if you don't know anybody in USA, you need to use an agent. And agent, uh, currently I'm using agents because I don't know anybody in USA. And it costs about $1,000 a year just to have an agent. Um, so it, it is a lot because <laughs> my scale is not very come. big. I actually didn't have to pay taxes just yet because it was like all loss. And I was also yeah. paying taxes in my other jobs. Mm. So they, it worked out yeah. to be okay so far. But yeah, once I start making money, maybe I'll know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's definitely, it's another consideration. It's just one of those things that people don't think of. You yeah. were mentioning earlier what it was like moving up from a premier wonder grinder to the next level that you you needed for, for continuing to grow your business. What was it like importing your 20 kilo grinder into Australia? Ah, uh, yeah, so I bought this uh, 20 kilo grinder from um, India, which was uh, exciting. <laughs> and then they arrived. Um, through the actual company who was interested in um, um, interested actually um, making chocolate grinder for Australia, so I'll actually import it through them uh, with them together because they bought their own machine. I bought my own machine, so they got it for me. And then they said, "Oh, we have to send it to the engineer." And apparently, all the wiring is not up to Australian standard, so <laughs> I had to pay money. For the engineer to rewire the whole machine um, and they say oh there's also there's no safety emergency stop switches so they have to put that on and it's like oh why are you doing it if you want to put a speed controller and i thought oh speed controller might be actually a good idea so yeah they was placed um and uh, the plug so they had to change the plug so that's costly 
and the plug itself was like $250, but obviously need to be installed by the electrician. So I think not quite the double, I think I've probably 80% more on top of what it costing. <laughs> almost doubled the price yeah, yeah. <laughs> of buying a grinder, which was already really expensive. Yeah. It's a yeah. big investment for a small business. Yeah. 